Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate, Bach Lesnar, and I'm flying solo today. Armando has to fill in at the last minute. A very famous opera individual had to pull out of a gig, so Armando got the call to step in at the 11th hour. Uh, meanwhile, this is going to be kind of a short podcast. Just giving you a heads up. Uh, I am single dog parenting tonight, and I kind of have until my dog reaches the end of his pizzle stick to realistically get this recapped before, uh, I don't know, he's going to start getting into stuff and doing the things that an 18-month-old Australian Shepherd does. Anyway, I'm happy to have you here this uh, this evening. We're going to recap the Kansas City Chiefs preseason game against the New Orleans Saints as well as preview their next game against the Arizona Cardinals. So why don't we just jump into some things here. Uh, before we do, don't forget to check us out on Instagram. We are at Fountain City SM on Instagram. We're trying to post every day. Like, subscribe, follow us, give us a comment. We always like hearing from you. As well as don't forget to check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM where you'll find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive miniseries including Season Zero, The Last Dance Documentary Recap, and Speedy and Angry, our 10-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise. Anyway, without further ado, let's get talking about the Kansas City Chiefs against the New Orleans Saints. So... Leading into this game, everything hyping us up was about it was Derek Carr facing Patrick Mahomes in another showdown. It's like, yeah, but it's the preseason, so not really. Mahomes is probably going to call a few things under center and hand off the ball, and that's going to be about it. And I wish that's kind of all we got, but what we wound up getting in the first quarter was an absolute massacre by our defense. For those of you who are living under a rock, Chris Jones has still not shown up to camp. He did not show up to any Chiefs training camp, and he is holding out until he can get a new contract taken care of, uh, which, you know, I hope those numbers aren't around 27, 28 that we're offering him and he's turning down. I've heard word he's wanting at least Aaron Donald money, if not more. Uh, you know, this is all I'm going to say. I can't speak from experience on this, but if you're already making 28 million potentially, what is the difference between 28 million and 32 million. Yeah, the difference is 4 million, but at that point, you're so ludicrously rich. You can invest and have your money make money for generations to come. What's another $4 million? All that's happening is that he's keeping our team from gelling. He's hurting the team by not knowing how to play by him. He has guys like FAU on the edge who are trying to learn from the best in the business, and the best in the business aren't there to help him out. So if I can be honest, uh, I'm not happy with Chris Jones. I'm not happy. The guy's turning 30. In my opinion, you get paid for what you are going to do, not what you have done, especially when you're 30. Uh, he obviously sees it differently. So if we ride him out for the final year of his contract and he moves on in the offseason somewhere else, all right, thank you for your service. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we can get some decent draft capital for that. Anyway... Uh, unfortunately, what was immediately apparent uh, was that the line was missing Chris Jones. But I wouldn't say this was just a defensive line thing. It was kind of the entire defense as a whole. People couldn't get off their blocks. Lanes were being generated. We're getting pulled left, right, and center by what's a pretty mediocre Saints line, in my opinion. Also, playing a bunch of soft zone defense, the Spagnola calling card. And just getting picked apart by Derek Carr, followed by Jameis Winston. 
two drives in a row. Now, I, I do have to say, for the defensive sake, here's one thing. The Saints obviously came out with a different dichotomy or uh, a different idea of this game. You could tell by the body language of particularly David or Derek Carr, as well as the entire Saints team and their play calling, they were trying to send a message. Yeah, we can hang with the Chiefs. This is like our Super Bowl. They were celebrating, you know, they were smack talking, all that stuff. Meanwhile, our defense was out there playing at what I'd call like three-quarter speed. Not half speed, but three-quarter speed. No one had any pep in their step. No one really seemed anxious to make any tackles or actually swarm the guy or anything like that. They were all just playing not to get hurt. They were kind of sleepwalking. They didn't want to be there. But I do see that as a little bit discouraging because as we mentioned this podcast multiple times before, this is very much you got to show me defense. And if we're going to come into this year talking about is this the best defense Mahomes has had since he's been in Kansas City? Well, we have to see some semblance of that right out of the blocks. And we saw nothing but the same old, same old, which is a soft, bend-don't-break defense where nobody really seems to get it or nobody really seems to gel until later on this season, which I don't understand that at this point. But if I had to give the defense a grade when they were out there, first-team defense, I'm giving them a D, which a D is the worst grade you can get because in order to get an F, it has to be like, you know, yakety saxes, you know, that thing where it's just like, you're so bad, it's almost comical. Like Chiefs-Texans 2019 playoffs, that first quarter and a half when they went up 24 nothing. that's an F-level defense. That's you blow a coverage, big touchdown in the first drive, you muff the next punt inside your five-yard line, you give them a short field on the kickoff, that's an F. F's just happen, and they're statistical anomalies. You have to try to play bad to get a D grade, and that's exactly what the Chiefs starting defense did. I'm going to put them on watch right now. I'm very concerned. Hopefully, I'm giving them a Montucky cold snack take back later on in the season, but as of right now, my confidence in this defense, I'm going to give it about a 3 out of 10. Meanwhile, the offense. So the offense showed us even less than the defense, which is kind of be expected. You know, we, we saw with Michael Vick 20 years ago, you can't send your prize dude out there in the preseason and have him play hard because if they get injured in a meaningless scrimmage, your season's done for. So what ultimately happened was the one series Mahomes is out there, we ran four straight plays to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now, I don't know if it's because we're trying to show him off for trade bait, particularly since he's from the New Orleans area, played football at LSU, Maybe we're trying to see if the Saints will give us like a conditional seventh round pick or something like that for him. But four straight plays to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which again, ladies and gentlemen, I've gone blue in the face saying this. He's not an NFL level running back. We saw it again. Hits a hole, has the angle, gets run down by a linebacker. He can catch the ball, but he doesn't have a burst to turn up field. He doesn't see, he doesn't have great field vision and doesn't see the best lane to take and just kind of like closes his eyes and plows into the line. Oof, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire hopefully will be our third string running back this year, and we'll have Isaiah Pacheco back and uh, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, but that leads us to, a little later on, we're going to talk about someone here. You may have heard us mention Daenerik Prince in the past, the undrafted free agent running back out of Tulsa, who tested apparently off the charts on his combine for his uh, raw athletic score, but dude, I don't know where they're getting these numbers and how this guy put up those numbers. 
because last year when Isaiah Pacheco tested really well and you saw his college tape, you could see it. The burst was there. The breakaway speed was there. The dude was jacked. Like that's a guy that was playing behind a garbage line at a garbage program and couldn't get anything done in college. Given the NFL, he was going to shine. He did. I said this going back to Daenerys college tape and then watching him in this game, both as a kick returner and coming out from under center. I'm not seeing it yet with Daenerys Prince, which is interesting because a lot of people in training camp said they had glowing reviews of what he was doing, that the dude was a freak of nature. But I'll tell you what, I don't see any speed. Maybe he has like top speed speed, but I'll tell you what, warming the engine and going from zero to 60 is not there. He's not very shifty. I think the best thing he might be is he did have a nice pass protection at one point. And I think he also uh, could be a great target out of the backfield. He does have good hands. I've seen tape in college. I've seen some clips from training camp. I think he's going to be hopefully Jarek McKinnon until we get closer to the playoffs and we can use McKinnon. So we're not putting tre- wearing down the tread on those tires. But uh, Daneric Prince, first showing, four carries, 34 yards. Uh, sorry, four carries, 14 yards, excuse me, uh, 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, I'm not ready to crown the Prince just yet. Not just yet. Uh, Looking at some bright spots, though, uh, our second and third team offense did play a lot better. I want to start with the potentially brewing quarterback battle the Chiefs are going to be looking at right now. So in the offseason, Chad, anything is possible, Henny, retired leaving us without a veteran presence as a backup quarterback, which we know Andy Reid likes. Now, we then pick up Blaine Gabbert, who hasn't had a start since 2019, I believe. But you look at the dude, he's still built like your nice pocket presence quarterback you want. 6'5", 235. He can throw, but I wouldn't say he can sling it. But, you know, he comes in, and I'm watching him, and... I can't say that I'm filled with confidence watching him as our backup. Chad Henney, if anything, was unremarkable, but very consistent and could execute. I didn't see that with Blaine Gabbert, who, just looking at his headshot right now, is like rocking the Gardner Minshew mullet and stash, which is a look. It's a choice. It's an interesting look. Uh, but ultimately, I'm looking at his stats here from the game. He finished four for eight, 59 yards, one touchdown. Now, I do have to say, uh, one of those was a big 43-yard chunk play to Richie James, who we'll get to later here, which honestly, if he hits him in stride, Richie James has gone for six. Richie had to slow down on that pass to turn around and go up and get that, so it very easily could have been defended. Uh, a few plays later, he finds Richie James in the back of the end zone for that one touchdown I alluded to. Uh, but watching Blaine Gabbert, I got to say, if he comes in in a playoff game the way Henny's had had to or like any game for that matter uh, we're not looking at Matt Moore we're not looking at Chad Henney I got to give Blaine Gabbert a C minus from what I saw out there now I did promise you a brewing quarterback battle and we do still have third year undrafted free agent Shane Buchel sitting on the practice squad now last year the Chiefs activated him multiple times to keep him off the squad because they were afraid he wouldn't clear waivers uh but he shows up in this game, and I have to say, he initially seemed rusty. Like, I have images in my head of Shane Buchel playing a lot like he can improvise like Mahomes, 
I call him kind of like fearless the way, again, Garner Minshew is, where it's like, that guy has it. Like, that guy can roll out. He's not afraid to, like, make the pass if he sees the pass there. All that to say, coming out in this game, it did seem like they kind of square peg round hold him in this one because he was playing stiff. Uh, his first pa- I think his second pass was actually intercepted. It wasn't a good ball. He throws a really ugly pass to Justin Ross, and that's the one that does get tipped and picked off. I'm like, what's happening with Shane Buchel here? Do we, it, does everyone just rusty? Did we all just like hang out at the St. Joe dive bars during training camp? What's going on? But as the game went on, they played him a little less like a three-step drop in the pocket quarterback, and Buchel got to take the horses out of the stable and show why this SMU Mustang has some game. So he finished out with a box score of 11 for 18 for 155 yards, two touchdowns after that one interception, including he did throw a beautiful touchdown where he had to juke a defender out of his shoes, stop in place, and found the receiver in the back of the end zone. And even Mahomes lost his mind on that one. I'm not going to say it was Mahomesian, but the way he was dip diving around dudes and still found a guy in the back of the end zone made the pass. That is the X factor that Shane Buchel has, which makes it interesting. So I always said, back when Chad Henney and Matt Moore were here, I said, if we ever had to like win one game or finish a game out, I would want Chad Henney in that game to steer the ship. I'm like, he's a solid anchor. We saw it in the Browns game a few years ago. We saw it in the Jacksonville game last year. Chad Henney's the one that's like, all right, baby, just land this plane home and we'll be A-OK. And lo and behold, he could do that. I don't think Shane Buchel is that guy. Now, heaven forbid, I'm knocking on this Ikea wood here. Should Patrick Mahomes ever go down for an extended clip? I'm talking like four to six games or more. Heaven forbid. I think Shane Buchel might be the one I want to go in and be the second string quarterback because I think he does have that X factor that could wind up winning us some games the way that Mahomes does, where it's like, dude, we need miracles. We need a guy that can improvise. You know, we can't just have a three-step drop statue in Blaine Gabbert against this defense because this defense is going to send fire every down and be knocking him on the ground. Buchel's got a little bit of moxie to him that I think is the kind of guy that it's like, well, four to six games, the big chunk of the season. We're probably not making the playoffs anyway. Let's just roll the dice, be a riverboat gambler, and see what he can do. That is why I think we have a quarterback controversy right now. Uh, I am not convinced that Shane Buchel will clear waivers. I think he's better than a lot of backup quarterbacks in this league. Uh, I think he's a very interesting quarterback. And again, I think a lot of people would probably want to... We, we we use him as a Mahomes clone with a lot of the practice squad guys. So I think a lot of teams would be interested in picking him up to see exactly what information they could get out of him about our offense and Mahomes. Let's look at some bright spots though in this game. It wasn't all doom and gloom. So at one point, it was 17 nothing early in the second quarter. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like... Dude, is this going to get ugly? Like, I I don't normally watch all the preseason games, especially game one, like end of the fourth quarter, because you got like practice squad, 10 string guys in there. I'm like, am I going to have to tune out of this like before halftime? Like, are there preseason blowouts like 49, 56 to nothing? Are those real? Because that's the way this game was headed. But thankfully, uh, as I mentioned, Blaine Gabbert was able to get a touchdown in there to Richie James. We started to get some life on the offense. Shane Buchel comes in there, a few more touchdowns. Lo and behold, we're actually in position to win this late in the game before fourth-string quarterback Chris 
Oladokun, excuse me, Chris Oladokun comes in, and in a, in a situation where they would never actually throw the ball this late in the game, they throw the ball, it gets intercepted, the Saints go down and kick a field goal as time expires. Eh, kind of a wet fart of a reclamation project of a preseason game, if you ask me. But there were some bright spots between Derek Carr and Jameis Winston carving us up and the Chris Oladukun interception. Hang tight. Bowie is furiously taking his sleeping mat out on a uh, date right now. Uh, anyway, so in the middle there, there has been talk for the second year in a row about the Chiefs wide receiver room. With the departure of Tyreek Hill, we are down a definitive wide receiver number one, and it seemed this year in particular we were going to be playing wide receiver by committee again. We had some returning people. We had MVS, but nobody in the league would ever consider him a true wide receiver one. We had Kadarius Toney, who flashed but was constantly injured last year, and he's already injured before training camp started, which left us with, oh man, I don't want to say a lot of odds and ends because we do have some pieces here, and I'm fortunate enough to say that they all kind of look very natural in the offense and had some bright spots throughout this game. I'm going to start with Richie James. Richie James, the oft-forgotten partner to Kadarius Toney we got from the New York Giants this past season. Uh, there was a lot of talk in training camp and OTAs that Richie James was showing out and has a really good chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And lo and behold, watching him in this game, he's a smaller, faster dude, but he does have a very good sense for where to find soft spots in coverage as well as creating separation. So Richie James, as I mentioned, had that long pass from Blaine Gabbert as well as our first touchdown of the day. And he, see, he would have had another touchdown if Blaine Gabbert hadn't just missed him on a fade route in the corner. It was a great pass. He just barely overthrew him. Uh, but no, Richie James is going to play a part in this offense this year if he can stay healthy. Again, knocking on wood. I was very pleased with what I saw ending the day. Two receptions for 44 yards, but he was really the catalyst for what got us back into this game. Uh, next up, got to talk about him. Choo Choo, the Justin Ross hype train, has officially left the station, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, two receptions for 29 yards and a touchdown, but both receptions were beautiful plays that showed Ross's ability to get separation. He has sure hands. And his touchdown in this game was a thing of beauty. He was on the receiving end of that Shane Buchel, uh just juke around improvisational play. So it's wonderful seeing another big body red zone target, particularly with tight end Jody Fortson on IR and missing the rest of this season. So we're down one big 6'5 body. So hopefully Justin Ross can be plugged in to be our big 6'4 body in that red zone. Uh, Rasheed Rice. Also having a pretty good day. Three receptions, 30 yards, no touchdowns, and he had four targets on the day. And I got to say, you heard me talk with Armando. I still say Rasheed Rice is not a big body wide receiver. I watch him on the field. He's not a big body wide receiver. He's maybe a little sturdier than he looked when he was at SMU. He maybe put some weight on in a good way. Uh, but I tell you what, he was fearless. This is a dude that had a knack for running routes and would run anything you wanted across the middle, up the sideline. He seemed to do it all. One of my buddies actually said he kind of hopes that maybe Rasheed Rice can be molded almost into like a Diet Debo Samuel with more emphasis on the receiving end of things. 
It's possible, nay probable, who knows? But Rasheed Rice really showed out. Uh, I have to say, all three of those receivers I just mentioned really surprised me pleasantly. I think uh, they make me feel a little bit better about the wide receiver situation going forward. One more I have to talk about. I would be remiss not to give a shout out to Nico Remigio. Now, Nico has kind of been the camp crush of a lot of people this offseason in like a really weird way. Like nobody really knows much about him. He just kind of bursts onto the scene. But one thing you're seeing from all the Chiefs insiders after practices was like, yo, Nico was really balling it up. Nico seems to have a second nature and a good connection with Patrick Mahomes. Not to mention, he was getting a lot of time with special teams. So it's like, okay, so maybe this is someone we have as a reserve punt returner or a, you know, emergency wide receiver just in case. And I'll tell you what, you hear that hype in camp, you know, but it's another thing to watch him play. I was a big Dory's fountain truther. I think we all remember that. Nico, however, led all Chiefs receivers and all receivers in the game, including A.T. Perry, with four receptions, 71 yards, with a 17.8 average, and a long of 24. That's very consistent. That's very consistent. Now, Nico, again, is a bit of a smaller, faster guy. He's 5'9", buck 87. But, dude, I got to say, Nico's really showing out. And if the wide receiver room wasn't potentially crowded as is, like, it's really difficult. So, I think this is a really good transition point here. I want to talk about and preview the Arizona Cardinals game really quick. One thing that I think is going to be the big question going forward is why the heck did we draw another game at freaking Arizona with their garbage field? Do they not remember the fact they injured like three of our guys in non-contact situations just from that trash field? It's incredible. It's incredible. I can't believe we drew another game at Arizona. The league really honestly should go in and be like, yo, forget your weird hybrid, not sun water turf. You're going to get Mondo turf in there and you're just going to have to deal with it. Anyway... I really hope we don't play our starters. I hope Mahomes is in there for like two handoffs and they pull him immediately. Uh, but going in, some things to watch out for in this Arizona game. I want to start with the wide receiver group. So going into this offseason, kind of the unofficial predictions for what people thought the wide receiver room was going to look like was going to be, in no particular order, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, Richie James, Rasheed Rice, and Justin Ra- Justin Watson, excuse me. Uh, guys in the wings kind of also looking for that spot to maybe get on there. Justin Ross, John Ross, Amir Smith-Marset, and of course, Cornell Powell. Now, going into this game, there was kind of talk of, well, you know, are they going to keep a seventh wide receiver? Now, that's not something Andy Reid usually does, but if we're looking at it, John Ross bowed out. So your seventh wide receiver looked to be Justin Ross if he does actually wind up, you know, making the cut and having seven wide receivers. Now, as I mentioned, with the loss of Jody Fortson at tight end, Justin Ross kind of needs to go in there as that big body. And he's also shown out through all of training camp as well as that first preseason game. So, okay, let's pencil Justin Ross in there as that seventh wide receiver. We don't have a fullback. Probably not going to have a fourth tight end as usual. So, Justin Ross, seventh wide receiver. Now, going back to Nico, here's the problem. Nico's been showing out at camp, and he really showed out as honestly one of the best-looking wide receivers on that field in that Saints game. So, at this point, like, 
how do you cut Nico Remigio? Like, I, I, I know it's easy to say because he's just some, like, small dude from Fresno State. You know, he's not one of these big-name dudes. But you watch him, and I hate to say it, he kind of reminds me play-wise of, like, a Cole Beasley type where the dude just has it. Like, he's always finding a way to be open. He's creating great separation. He's not just some practice squad guy with a very limited upside. It's like, yeah, this is a very viable wide receiver potentially. So I'm not sure he's going to clear waivers if we cut him. What do we do? Now, the interesting thing is he is listed as questionable, separated his shoulder, and there's talk that the theory is they might put him kind of on a false flag IR to essentially redshirt him a year and keep other teams from being able to come in and snipe him. I'll be interested to see how that looks out. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset, I don't think he's going to wind up making this roster. I think he's probably a practice squad body. Cornell Powell had a pretty solid game against the third stringers of the Saints, but I still don't think he's going to make it past the practice squad this year. So in this Arizona game, on the offense, I'm very interested to see three things. One, if Shane Buchel can continue to separate himself from Chad Henney to make that quarterback two spot. Number two, if these wide receivers by committee, who are all kind of a pot of the same level player, so to say, if there's any more separation, or if they all continue to play very consistently well, or if some of them are fool's gold. And number three, if Daenerys Prince can start getting some of these reps that make him look like this person that we're hearing that he is all through training camp. Now, I say that because we also had some guys showing up in the running back room. We had LaMichael Pirine and we had uh, Jerion Ely, both of whom taking the ball out of the backfield and playing kick and punt returners showed more flash and burst. And I didn't see anything from Daenerys Prince that separated him from those two guys who were destined to be practice squad fodder. So I think Daenerys Prince still has a way to go. I'll be interested to see how that running back by committee room winds up shaking out in this game against the Arizona Cardinals. Lastly, on the defensive side of things, as I mentioned, I would really like to see the defense at least give some semblance of hustle. They don't have to work too hard on this crap field. I don't want to see people injuring themselves. But guys, at least show a spark like you care. At least try and crash the runner. You know, do something that makes it seem like you're not just out there being literally just like mobile traffic cones. Seriously, it was, it's like watching when you used to do like on the PS2 Madden and they had those drills. And it's just like, you know, complete five slant routes and you would and the defense would be a different formation every time but wouldn't actually try and tackle you until after you receive the ball. A long way of saying that's what the defense looked like and that's why they got that degrade from me. Uh, I think this team will only go as far this year as the defense takes them. I don't think, uh, barring Mahomes having another 2019 type of season with, uh, what was it, 50 and 5,500 or 55 and 5,000. I can't remember what those numbers were. Unless he has a season like that, which I don't want to see again. Guys, I just want to see a season where Mahomes doesn't have to do it all. And I know it, I, I don't need a top 10 defense even, but it's like I need a defense that can get stops, man. I need a defense that doesn't have to send Mahomes back out on the field. I need a defense that can lock it up while the offense just keeps chipping away with touchdowns and field goals throughout the game. So it's, you know, it's 27 to 27 to nine, you know, middle of the fourth quarter. It's like, great. I don't have to worry about them giving up two quick touchdowns and suddenly it's 27, 23 with like two minutes and 30 seconds. They have three timeouts and the two minute warning. Does that make sense? 
That's all I need the Chiefs defense not to be. That's all I need them to be. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to me ramble on this. Uh, I've got a bit of a head cold, and uh, single dog parenting is trickier than it looks. But thank you for joining me. Next week, Hot Take Mind will be back, and we'll be dissecting the Cardinals game as well as looking forward to our third and final preseason game. So take care. Hope you have a wonderful weekend, and let's go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.